This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. On today's episode, we're going to get into a political update. It is April 5th, 2016, and today is the day of the Wisconsin presidential primary, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the divisive nature of politics as we're getting closer and closer to the end of this primary season, and a few other things that are going on out there in the world. We're also going to have a lot of fun because I apparently got sucked into a Facebook war. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Network. You can find us on Twitter under Chi Town Podcast One, and you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening. Subscribe with us on iTunes, Podcast Addict. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Chicago Podcast Network. All of those are available. Tell your friends about us, and here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, editor-in-chief. I just missaid my own name, AJ, because of the anger that I'm feeling about a Facebook war that I'm in. <laughs> I'm Nicholas Sarantos, editor-in-chief, grand poobah, and host of the Chicago Podcast Network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy, AJ Signari. AJ, do what you do oh so well. Woo-woo-woo. <laughs> You know it. That would be AJ quoting the very little-known wrestler, Zack Ryder, who won the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania, only to lose it the next night on Monday Night Raw. But we're not here today, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about WrestleMania, though I could give you three hours of a review, which is still two hours shorter than the pay-per-view was itself. The pay-per-view was five hours long, AJ. Oh, I know. Between Sunday and Monday, I watched eight hours of wrestling. I'm good for a while. I'm good. Um... I originally today, AJ, we were going to get started talking about this big data leak that just came out. They're calling it the Panama Papers, which is a great name for the movie that Aaron Sorkin will eventually write about this. The I don't even know how you want to put this. It's 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 a huge document leak, eleven point five million documents, two terabytes worth of data released from a law firm in Panama that basically paints the picture of the tax shelters that government leaders use to hide their money, that celebrities use or rich people use to hide their money offshore so that they don't have to pay taxes. It has launched two national investigations, one in Iceland, one in Spain. Uh, A lot of other countries are looking at stuff as well. The best thing about all of this is that it is proof of what we all sort of know. But that's what I I kind of want to get into with you a little bit, AJ, a little bit later on in the show. But first, I want to talk, AJ, about my morning. Do you think that it's appropriate for me to talk about my morning, uh, even though the people that I'm fighting with don't have the same ability to answer that I do because I have a microphone, and if you listen to this podcast, you have to listen to every word I have to say? Is it unfair for me to just kind of take this to the Internet and let people hear it, or should I have fun with this? I'm going to look the other way. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about how my morning started. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you side more with me on this than you do with the other side. But if you disagree, that's fine. I have no problem with people who disagree with me. I actually like when people disagree with me and are willing to admit that. I hate people who roll over and just agree with you because they don't want to talk about stuff. So, to the people that I have been debating online, I appreciate your passion. I appreciate the fact that you care about these issues. However, what I don't appreciate is your lack of ability to have a rational reasonable argument 
And that's where we're going to get started today, AJ, because what happened to me this morning is symbolic of what's going on in politics in general. I woke up this morning, went on Facebook while I was sitting on the toilet. Yes, you can all take a moment to reflect on that. And there you go, picture. You didn't go to the toilet. You were having your morning constitutional. I was having my morning constitutional. I was making a movement, if you want to go even further than that, which was fitting for what happened. Um, And I saw somebody who I have met like three times in my life who happens to be a Facebook friend. Uh, I'm not going to say any names, but it's a, it's a female who I know. And she posted a picture of something outside of a Trump rally in Wisconsin where a bunch of people were standing on the American flag. Now, this is where we get into a touchy scenario because here on this podcast, I'm going to say something and I want people to listen. It is protected by the United States Constitution, as understood by the Supreme Court, a conservative court, I might add, in a 5-4 to four decision, that burning or desecrating an American flag is protected under the First Amendment, under the peaceful rights of protest. And why is that important? Because it is the law of the land, meaning that it is perfectly legal for you to burn a flag in protest. There is no law against it. Any local law against it has been thrown out of court by the Supreme Court of the United States, making it American. It is an American protected right. So when I see somebody go online and say that the Navy SEALs, why couldn't Navy SEALs show up and lay these people out like they laid out on our American flag? My response was to say, because it's a peaceful protest. At which point, my Facebook exploded with a bunch of people, generally about six or seven of them, debating me on the issue. Now, I have no problem with the debate. And in, honestly, in most cases, I agree with you. I personally don't like it when people burn a flag or step on a flag for a reason that doesn't make sense. As an example, standing outside a Donald Trump rally. I don't know what your message is when you're doing that. Is your message that Donald Trump is stepping on the American flag? Then shouldn't you have a picture of Trump stepping on a flag? Like, I don't know what the message of the protest is you can and i disagree with them doing it for this kind of thing but my point was don't threaten people with violence for doing something you disagree with that is un-american america is about many different opinions coming together and coming to an equitable agreement and to me right now we don't do that in Congress. We don't do that in politics. We don't do that in general in the United States of America. So this morning, I decided to do what I try to resist doing most of the time, which is battle for what I believe is the side of the angels. And that's what I have done this morning. And it has turned into an insult fest against me. Now, in none of my responses have I insulted anything. Have I told anybody that they should leave America because I disagree with them? I have been told four or five times today that if I don't like America, I should get the hell out. And the reason I don't like America is because I support people's right to burn a flag. Do I think that it should be done all the time? Absolutely not. I think it's a very powerful message, though, and it provides media attention. When you burn or desecrate an American flag and it's caught on camera, people will talk about it. And if your issue is strong and if you have the ability to express what you believe, you should have the rights to do that. When they start coming back at me and calling me, uh, I've been called stupid for my opinions, even though my arguments are actually rational. I've been called a, what was it, AJ? A logic lobotomized lefty and liberal 
which mm-hmm. subtract the subtract the uh, lobotomized and yeah, I'm a logic love lefty and liberal. I'm an old school lefty. I have no problem with that. I, I wear that like a badge of honor, and I don't think that that's a wrong thing to do. You might think that I'm wrong if you're listening to this podcast. Chances are you don't, but if you do think that I'm wrong. Tell me, and I will debate you, but don't start insulting me or people just because you don't have any facts to support your argument. Don't say things that don't have any proof, like that these protesters were paid by Bernie Sanders to incite stuff. That doesn't make sense, and you don't have any evidence of that, so don't say that as a statement of fact. Now, AJ, we get to what I want to get to you about. Number one, burning a flag. Where do you stand on it? Um... I've always been of the opinion that you can do whatever you want with the American flag. Um, because you know why? It's just as much my flag as it is yours. Well, it's that, but it's also because of the symbolic nature of it. Because then the flag means something. And if you feel like doing something, then you should do it. You know, um, other countries do it. That's our flag to their own flag and everything. And I'm sure they they have those same conversations. They do it to our flag, too. Well, they do. But, I mean, I've seen Iranians burn Iranian flags and uh, Palestinians burn Palestinian flags before. But, I mean, uh, for us, I think it's absolutely fine because... It's just a piece of cloth. That's what I said as well. Now, the argument against it, and there is some validity to it, is that, though I would argue that I've never understood it completely, is, you know, soldiers go off and they fight for what that flag represents. But think about that phrase, what the flag represents. They don't fight for the flag. They're not fighting for a piece of cloth. They're fighting for the ideals that the piece of cloth represents. But that's the problem. Because we've actually personalized the flag. And how do we personalize it is by the military. So by desecrating the flag, you are by default desecrating the military. And that means you're un-American. And that's the problem because we've used the flag in war. I mean, it was used during the Revolutionary War at one point, you know. Um, it was that flag that was risen on Pond High to show England that, you know, we are a totally different other nation, which has stars and red and white bars on it and everything. So, I mean, so yeah, it has that long lineage of being part of the military. And I think that's what became the problem is that once you stomp on the ground, you burn it, you, you do whatever you want to it. Wipe your nose you like Shawn Michaels actually, at WrestleMania 12. Right, you know, but you have to personalize it. But, but, and this is where it gets me. So I can't burn the flag, I can't stomp the flag, whatever, but it's okay for athletes to wrap it around their bodies. Right. I see what you're saying. Like, it's it's okay in celebration, but not in protest. Right. Yeah, no, I, that's a very valid point. It, it goes both ways. 
you know, I mean, he's like, I mean, I'm like Kurt Angle. Half the time, Kurt Angle has the American flag. On well, his okay, body let's, let's not. Point. I mean, let's get away from wrestling. Let's think of the Olympics. When a track, when a well, that's what I'm talking about. When Kurt Angle was in the Olympics, okay. I well, mean, the first. That's, I mean, he did that and everything. But, um, but think of track stars. Think of uh, exactly. Think of all those people who have now been taken, have their gold medals taken away because of steroids. Um, you know, but they they run down the thing. What was it Ben Johnson? I, I remember very famously ran. He ran the thing and grabbed the flag and then ran another lap with the flag wrapped around him. Yeah, you know, and, and that was in celebration of himself and of, you know, the fact that he won for his country, which is an amazing thing. But the other side of that is, if you are unhappy with your country or you're unhappy with something, you have the right, whether you want to or not, you know, whether you ever exercise it or not, to burn the flag. You don't. Again, my thing with this whole argument was never that I think that it's necessarily right or wrong or whatever. To desecrate a flag. I don't know all the time where it is. My problem was the threatening of violence against people because you disagree with them. And if you're being hyperbolic, then say that. But don't sit there and then defend it as if you are on the you you're righteous in beating having these people beat up because you disagree with what they did. That's where I start to get bothered. Because I consider myself and i consider you aj to be pretty strong american patriots i believe honestly we always joke on the show that what's nick's religion is star trek but really my my religion what i accept as permanent fact is the ideals of the united states of america free freedom i believe in freedom for everybody to basically do whatever the hell you want as long as you're not hurting anybody else no that's what i I mean i mean i mean to this day still i mean if i ever get the call to play um, an international tennis team to represent the United States, I'll be more than happy to have red, white, and blue on, you know? Right. But that's like the only time I'm going to wear white, red, white, and blue. Well, it's also because you're a large man, and red, white, and blue aren't flattering to people of large sizes, just like myself. You know, but I mean... And dark colors so, are our friends. Earth tones. We like earth tones. Or just black. I mean, look who you're talking to. Right. I joked with a friend of mine the other day that pretty much like they go, well, what are you going to wear? I'm like, I'm going to wear black. And they go, okay. And they're like, well, don't you want to like, what about a white? I'm like, no, I'm going to wear black. I always wear black. I own, all of my clothes are black or gray or dark blue. On the rare occasion, a light blue if I'm feeling especially f- festive. See, purple goes with me. I yeah, found. I don't like purple because it makes me think of a Marvel villain. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm more of a hero. Blue and yellow. I'll rock the blue and yellow, but that's only because I love Wolverine so very much. There you go. Um, but the reason that I got so bothered by all this is that the people that I was talking to uh, or debating with, however the hell you want to phrase it, these these were mainly, from what I could understand, Trump supporters. And I, at one point, referred to Trump as a racist and a sexist self-opportunist and was told that that is wrong and a lie, to which I replied, but he said this, he did this, which implies that he's a racist and a sexist, and he's ripped off everybody in his businesses, which makes him a self-opportunist, and they then proceeded to call me all sorts of weird liberal names. Again, throwing things at me that I consider to be compliments, and they're hurling them at me like they're insults, it's... A microcosm of what's going on right now, though. Today is April 5th, 2016. It's the day of the Wisconsin primary. This is a big day. This is actually bigger 
now than it was when the Illinois primary was taking place. Illinois primary was important to us because we live in Illinois, but nationwide, Wisconsin is a very big deal because if Trump doesn't win Wisconsin and Bernie does, this race is kind of wide open for the remainder of the run. If Hillary wins Wisconsin, Bernie's got a very difficult thing of holding on any hopes of winning the nomination. Uh, he can still stay in it until California and have a shot. But if he were to win Wisconsin and close the actual delegate gap to about 110, that's a big, that's a big deal. Because now superdelegates have got to start wondering about switching their allegiances. And on the other side of the ticket, Donald Trump losing Wisconsin makes it very difficult for people to conceive of him hitting the actual, was it 1,237, mm -hmm. I think is the number. Um, if he can't hit that number before the convention, that opens up that floor to a wide-open convention, which kind of shakes up everything. And in the midst of all of this, the rhetoric that is being spewed on both sides of the aisle about every candidate has ratcheted up, and we are now in America's favorite reality show, Bloodsport for the Presidency. And something that not a lot of people are talking about on the media side, except for one time. You still have Rubio, who has still delegates. You have Ben Carson, that still has delegates. Fiorina, who still has delegates, right? So they're all talking about Trump and Cruz and Kasich's trying to get a magic number. But those who still have delegates at any point in time, even up to convention, can put them wherever they want. Do you... I mean, at this point, I imagine the people who are... Those delegates, though, now they are still required on the first ballot of the convention to vote for the people they're held to, correct? Yes. So no matter what happens on the first ballot, those people are going to get those delegates. Yes. Okay. So Rubio still has 100-plus delegates. <laughs> okay. And you figure those are probably going to go to Cruz. Um, as for the rest of them, they could very easily swing over to Kasich, which, again, we're not talking about a lot here, but we're talking about enough that it matters and it's it's a very interesting moment right now, especially if you're in uh, wanting to watch the Republican Party. However, the Democratic side is finally starting to heat up to an actual thing, and they've said it on the Daily Show last night. It's funny to think about where this Democratic primary race began with Bernie and Hillary on stage making jokes, and Bernie, I don't give a damn about your damn emails. To where we're at now, where they're both going at each other pretty hard, at least as far as Democrats are concerned, um, about you know where their money is coming from, and Hillary keeps trying to paint this picture. And honestly, I, I got to be honest with you, AJ, I'm starting to sour on her based on the lies that her campaign is generating about Bernie Sanders. Oh, I'm surprised they've never been sour from day one. Me too, but I think that they... I think that they never thought he was a serious threat. And as time's gone on and he's become a more serious threat, that you're getting an idea of what a Hillary campaign against Trump would be like. Of course. And it's, it, it would be dirty on both sides. Right. More so on Trump's side than Hillary's side. I think she'll play dirty, but... Oh, I think she'll... I. I think that when the time comes, and we were talking about getting down in the muck with all of this stuff that Hillary might take it even further than Trump. Because at some point, I 
My, my, the only reason I say that is at some point Trump's kind of played all the dirty cards that he has to play. He can just kind of redo them for a new candidate. But for the most part, like, there's not a lot that he could really bring to the table that hasn't already been brought. The one thing is the Bill Clinton affair in the Oval Office. That's That, to me, is the one card that nobody's played. But I wonder how effective that card will be against, you know, four middle-of-the-road Republicans to come to his side. But I think that's, you can't play that card. Not saying you can't, but that's been not only played out so many times and has been mocked for how many years now? It's like, why even bring, I mean, it's why you're bringing up stuff in the 90s. That is in the twenty first century. I just because Monica Lewinsky has come out about it many times. I just I, the more I'm looking at all of this stuff, and and I see what you're saying. That she's she's talked about it. I mean, not to mention the the thing is, is that once it's said on the presidential stage. You know, it, it becomes a bigger issue again. I mean, at least for a couple of days. The, the, the bigger thing right now, though, is what happens tonight going forward? What does it mean? Go like, what does it mean going forward? If Kasich gets killed, do you think he drops out tonight? No, he, no, he'll go on to Pennsylvania. You think? Oh, because he's right there, and he might as well stick close to his home state. Oh yeah, I, I, he's going to go all the way up to the convention. You think so? You think John Kasich stays in all the way through? I think so because, I, I mean, like I said before, Rubio still has delegates. So he could tell all of his delegates to vote for John Kasich. I mean, I mean, if you do the math of how many delegates Rubio has, Carson has, Fiorina has, and all those people are now aligned with their own candidate, Fiorina with Cruz, Carson with Trump. I mean, if you add those delegates onto their existing number, I mean, they're already there. Some like Trump should be already there at this point. You're saying he should already be there with the with the total delegate count. Oh yeah, with the cart with um, Chris Christie with the little number of delegates he has, as well as Ben Carson. Um, I mean, that alone. I mean, that's just a little bit. Um, Fiorina with her delegates. If she has any for Cruz, um, Jeb Bush can throw his delegates to John Kasich, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, so if you did all, if you did that math and plunked them into the three remaining candidates, I mean, it all adds up to what the convention would look like. Because Rubio is really the linchpin of the entire thing. I mean, Rubio can walk into the convention and be like, all right, guys, all nearly 200 of you, go to John. (laughs) I want to, as interesting as this stuff is, we really won't know anything more than we know now until tomorrow morning. But I want to... Uh, we, I, I want to get into this other story from the last few days, AJ, and I want to get your reaction to it. Um, although I, I will say on the face of it, uh, this leak from the Panama law firm 
is a fascinating story, uh, and it, it's important in many ways, but isn't shocking to me. Is there anything in that news story that you find incredibly shocking? How did it get leaked? I've been looking everywhere. I'm like, there's leaks. There's leaks. There's this leak. We got these leaks. I'm like, where do they come from? <laughs> That's what I am blown by. It's like... I, I want to imagine... Do uh, you ever read any John Grisham novels? I try not to. Okay, I love John Grisham. Um, and he's a he, writer, don't get me wrong. It's just, I just, whatever. No, that's fine. I, you, you also have never really struck me as a guy who likes fictional novels. You're a nonfiction book guy, as far as I, I like can. Brad Meltzer. He's he's fun. Okay, I mean I'm a I, I read my my big three are uh, Stephen King, John Grisham, and Tom Clancy. Those are the three that I I tend to gravitate to the most. But the only reason I bring up the Grisham thing is he always paints this picture of what it's like to be an associate in a major corporate law firm. Mm-hmm. Just the massive amounts of hours that people are required to work and and function in, and the thing that I found the most fascinating about all of those stories is how disgruntled people get uh, working those schedules. So what I like to imagine is that it's like a second year law associate who's been working 80 hours a week for like a year and a half and lost his damn mind. and was just like, I'm done with this. I'm going to burn this whole mother to the ground. So here's every file that we have in our computer system, though the level of technical expertise it would require to get all those documents out to me implies it guy. Like somebody who was a hacker uh, on the outside in their private life, like me when I worked at the the giant law, evil law firm downtown and got a Halliburton file on one of my client's computers and it took everything I had not to just upload it to WikiLeaks, not even knowing what was in there, just giving it to them and saying like, here, here's some, prop, here's some proprietary information about an evil company. Here you go. Like I, I like to imagine that's who leaked it. Okay, yeah, because I mean, I, I, I was on Democracy Now!, some other sites I go to, um, Red Code, um, I, and I just couldn't find, you know, who leaked it, because I'm, I'm more interested in who leaked it, and for whatever reason, I have like this itching suspicion, like, Snowden was involved, because like, he tweeted well, or, or at least he knew who did it, or at least he, he has that kind of knowledge to be like, oh, I know who did it. I'm not going to tell you, but I know who did it. Well, you got to remember that there is there is that whole side of the Internet that not a lot of people talk about where there's a lot of message boards, a lot of chat rooms, and it's possible that somebody, that he was on one of them, somebody was just asking for advice. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if he knows the exact, like, the name of the person who did it, but I could see him having advised the person on how to do it. Right. Um, my biggest difference, the difference, people keep saying that this is like the Edward Snowden thing, and I say it's not, though, because the difference is Edward Snowden stood up and said it was me, which gave him a much better argument about what was happening. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So as someone who's worked in IT, I mean, how readily, easily is it that you know someone who's NSA, FBI, CIA and Interpol and all that great jazz can just simply track it through an IP address or well, crack way, some sort well, of code and all that. All right, let, 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 let's, let's say I'm, I'm an IT guy 
and I can set up computers and I can set you up on a physical network and I can do all of that. The level of stuff that you're talking about, the high-level data encryption, the truth is this. Once you're in a system, most data isn't encrypted. The encryption is how you get into the system, right? Right. Like uh, a file might be locked with a password, but generally speaking, those are easy to get around if they're very password protected, if there's an actual like level of encryption, notification of the wrong entry of a password to a central server, then you're talking about more stuff. But for the most part... If you're an IT administrator in a firm or you have administrator privileges, you have access to pretty much everybody's computer. And most people are pretty irresponsible with proprietary data, even if they're taught how to do it responsibly. When you have it as a procedure, there's a weakness. You know, the old argument, there's no computer system designed by man that can't be defeated by man. Right. Uh, th that's what you're dealing with. The real trick with stuff like this is to hide your identity that's why the edward snowden leak is so fascinating because he didn't really try to hide his identity so when he he hit it initially and put some basic level stuff up but he didn't have to work very hard for what he did he just copied stuff it's almost as easy as the equivalent of copying stuff to a flash drive the only difference is when you're talking two terabytes of data that is a significant amount of data transfer time so the fact of how they got away with that i honestly can't answer because that would require an open network socket for which is just a way to say it's an open door to, to get into the system you see what i'm saying right and i guess you know while reading all this stuff the first thing that came to my mind was oh it has to be open source because how else are you going to get this kind of information well they get the information by being inside the firm i mean that's well yeah but, I mean, but there's that but i mean i guess when i say open source is that someone has their own open source outlet in order to once they're in the system and extract that information then they can use their own outsource program or network or I mean, whatever system they have theoretically you could send it over gmail i mean again it's about protecting well, yourself two terabytes of information yeah but you do it over google drive you know how slow that's gonna well let's kind of setup you have i go be like seconds but still two terabytes of information through google drive i'm not saying that it wouldn't take a long time i'm just <laughs> saying that you theoretically could do it my, my point is that once it's out of the law firm and on a portable and on a portable system it's easy to do right so it's just a question of how much you're willing to protect yourself. And that's why, honestly, the, the biggest issue I have with this data leak is the fact that the person who did it hasn't stepped forward yet to take accountability for it. Because to me, if you believe what you are doing is right, then you stand up and take whatever punishment is coming to you or at least acknowledge that you wanted to do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's why no, I, I, I completely hear what you're saying. And for me, I guess what I see coming down the pipe relatively soon is oh, this has got to be ISIS, or it's got to be North Korea, or it's got to be China. It's got to be someone than let's assume it's in our own backyard. Well, let's, 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 let's hypothetically, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on, like, the technical stuff with this. Right. But, but let's, let's, let's just do it this way. Um, you, AJ, are a lawyer, God forbid, at a... A at good a, lawyer. You're a good, a good lawyer? Yes, I'm a good lawyer. You're a good lawyer. You're a good lawyer. I go to court and I represent you. 
I'm going to stand up for your rights. And I don't take a third of what you get. Okay? You don't got to pay nothing up front. You pay me afterwards after we win this lawsuit against the city. I don't know why I did that, but I did it. Um, My whole thing is, all right, so you're a lawyer at a law firm, AJ. You -hmm. went to law school, and you were going to become an environmental attorney. You were going to fight against evil corporations to... I don't know, how, how, however the hell you want to put it, to stop them from polluting the earth. But you got to your fourth year of law, your third year of law school. You've got $130,000 in student loans. No idea how you're going to pay them off with, with the $25,000 a year uh, thing that you're going to get at an environmental firm. So you, with your high ideals, suck it up, sell out, however the hell you want to put it, and go work for... I'm going to use a fictitious law firm from a movie. We'll say Bendini, Lambert, and Locke. That's the law firm in the firm. <laughs> right? Because that's so great. I, I just, I, But, hey, the fact that I could even pull that out of my brain, should I should get credit <laughs> for it. Like, I don't have anything in front of me that says John Grisham, whatever. I just know the name of that law firm is Bendini, Lambert, and Locke. So you go to work for Bendini, Lambert, and Locke, and let's assume that they're not a mob law firm. Let's assume that they're just a giant corporate firm. Right. And they have a lot of corporate clients. And one of their corporate clients is BP Oil. Okay. And in the process of working there, you were to stumble across 30,000 memos that completely explain that not only were they fully aware of the dangers of the Deep Horizon drilling well off the Gulf Coast, they were aware that it was going to break. They knew that they the cost of dealing with the fallout of that was less than the profits they would generate if Deep Horizon ran for six years. As long as they got six years out of it, no matter what lawsuit came down the pipeline, due to tort reform laws in the state of Louisiana, there was no way that they could lose money on the investment. And if they got seven years, that's an extra billion dollars a year that they've made. Okay? You have mm-hmm. access to all of that. Right. Now, here's where the question comes in. Mm-hmm. What kind of person are you really? Are you the kind of person who can know that information and ignore it? Or are you the kind of person who, when they get shown that information, now kind of stands up and says, this is wrong, this is so wrong that I am willing to give up this high-paying job and this comfortable life that I have to do what's right? That's really the question about these data leaks. Because as much as we get into the idea of people saying, oh, it's a whistleblower or it was illegal, like there comes a point where you have to ask, okay, but is it really that bad of a thing to have done if you truly believed you were acting in the right way? But if you're acting in the right way, if you believe that you are morally correct, then you have to be willing to stand up and say, I am the one who did it. That's my biggest, that's to me is the biggest difference in these two data leaks. Because even though Edward Snowden has gone to Russia to avoid a military trial, which I think he has every right to do because it's, this is not a military issue. This is a civilian issue. This was spying on the United States citizens by the government. That, is a, that needs to be a civilian trial. So I have no problem with him doing what he's done. At least he stood up and, and was counted for and said, this was me. Whoever this person is hasn't done that yet. Now, maybe they're going to. Maybe they're currently in the process of Tom Cruise and the firm, and they're just trying to get somewhere safe. But 
that to me is the biggest difference. And if you want to get into the technical reasoning of it, the technical way of doing it, UAJ, the attorney at Bendini, Lambert, and Locke, walked into the office one day, saw this, took a flash drive, copied it to a flash drive, contacted the press, and was like, I have this information. I need to get it to you in an encrypted way. They will walk you through how to encrypt the data before you send it to them and how to uh, I prevent your ID. But if you don't have at least a little bit of technical expertise, you're not going to be able to pull it off. See, so, you, don't, you don't know me too well then, do you? Okay. I would have that information, put a doomsday switch on it while, wait for it, I'm in Bolivia setting up shop. Cause I ain't coming back. Well, I mean that's that's fine. I mean, but the only issue you have with that, plus, not to mention, publicity protects your life. You know that, right? Right. Because if Edward Snowden was, if they wanted to just discredit Edward Snowden, they could. It's harder to discredit a person than it is to just kill them, because they well, they could have just well, killed him. They could have. So, but, but let me put this on you for a moment then. So this person or persons, a collective as it were, got this information. And, and I guess here's my question to you. Why is it necessary to leak all this information to show that, you know, Putin and his friends are doing stuff? The president of Iceland is doing stuff. The per- president of Pakistan and UAE have, have all these accounts and everything. Even international soccer star Messier's information's out there. Why do we need to know this information? And why is it important to us? Because all of the things that they've done was legal. You can have an offshore account, which is perfectly legal. You can do it in Panama, which is perfectly legal, and have it in the Virgin Islands, having a bank account. Everything they did was on the up and up, on the business side. Why were these leaks important enough to put out there in the public? Honestly, I've been asking myself the same question because the big story when this first leaked was direct line to Vladimir Putin proves that Vladimir Putin is taking millions and billions of dollars in bribes and laundering them through these corporations. And my reaction was, I was with a friend of mine, and I said, yeah, Donald Trump, cor- or uh, Donald Trump, wow, <laughs> Vladimir Putin corrupt, water wet, fire hot, next story. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, that's been my whole thing with this whole news story. It's like, yes, it's proof of everything that we know, but it's proof of everything that we know. There's nothing in this document that's really that secret. You know what I'm saying? Like, people have been hiding money offshore in corporations for 40 years. This is not new information. This is not a new activity. So when this story broke, I just kept going, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Water wet. Great. This is, this is wonderful. Space is up. Like, I don't, I don't know what you guys, like, why is everybody freaking out about this news story? We all know this. The question isn't do we know it. The question is what are we going to do about it? And apparently the answer to that is nothing. Though President Obama, right before we went on the air, I don't know if you saw this. Did you hear what was going on? 
Uh, right before we went on the air, like I'm not kidding, like the second we fired up the mics, apparently I've been watching this feed. Uh, President Obama went to the White House press room and is calling for massive uh, tax reform. And tax reform. Yeah, he wants to get rid of the loopholes. He wants to stop that uh, practice. I can't remember the name that you and I talked about when we were on the old station, where you can ship money offshore by moving your corporate headquarters and pay a reduced tax rate. Oh yeah. So they're they're working very hard on. They want to close that, and they, he wants to you know obviously the the tax loopholes that the rich enjoy, wants to get people back up to uh, people who make more than a million dollars a year, back up into like the fifty to sixty percent tax range. Um, so it's a big deal. I mean, he's he's fighting against it. So that is the one positive so far to come out of all of this. There have been several government investigations. The Prime Minister of Iceland has resigned due to the fact that his wife was involved with some of these corporate uh, companies to avoid paying their taxes. And Iceland is one of those European countries with an incredibly high tax rate to mm-hmm. pay for the quality of life that they enjoy. And people were offended by that idea. My favorite one, though, so far, and how... Just you want a great example of how isolated the nation of China is from the media. It came out that every member of the Politburo in China, which is such a great Russian term to be used by the Chinese, I just I want to take a second and reflect on the fact that the term the Politburo is a Russian phrase, but it's used in China to describe their leading politicians. I just I felt like that was important to share. The Politburo in China, like a majority of the people there have millions and millions of dollars hidden in an offshore tax, you know, haven, so they're not even paying stuff within their communist country. I, I, I And if you understand communism, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't understand communism, then you don't understand why that's so funny. But it's funny because communism, the whole idea is that we all work for the greater good. We are here for the what is it? The, the the safety of the proletariat. Yeah. And these guys are like, because it's true in any government. And that's why, when, AJ, that's why when people say, you know, capitalism is the best form of government, this is the best. At the end of the day, all forms of government lead to the same thing, which is the richest people hide their money so that they can just live lavish lifestyles. All forms of government require a smaller underclass a, or a weakened underclass of citizens who service the insanely wealthy. And that's what those people think we all exist for. So maybe that's what these leaks mean, that it's just proof of how worldwide this all is. But my favorite one so far is the Lionel Messi is hiding money offshore. Yeah, okay. How much money do you think Michael Jordan has hidden all over the world? He probably has a safe deposit box in every country that's used to pay off, you know, the 17,000 children that he has. Right. You know, I'm just saying, like, people hide money all the time. This is not... The, the biggest thing with this is that you just have a paper trail. You know when this will Well, be... look at the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. There was a segment on the Wolf of Wall Street movie where they went to Switzerland for an offshore account. And we're sneaking to be cash protected. In. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's... So people do this all the time. <laughs> That's why... I'm not really perplexed by this. I'm like, what do you want me to rant and rave about? I mean, there's nothing here for me to rant and rave about. You, it's everything is on the up and up. There's 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 no, no shady deal, unless you're like Creighton Acme Inc. You know, and then that's a front business in order for your offshore accounts to go 
0-2, then yeah, I'm, I'm a point at that. But outside of that, you can do whatever you want. I could have an offshore account if I really wanted to. You know, it's all perfectly legal. It's just, I just, I'm just, I'm still more curious as to who or whom done this and why now. Because I find it interesting that this is leaked in a U.S. presidential election while Bernie Sanders is talking about big banks and stuff like that. Yeah, I, if it had been an American leak, I would even give it more credence that it had something to do with it. Uh, and again, a lot of this has to do with the fact that because we don't know who leaked it, we don't know the motivations behind the leak, right? Right. And also, that, that's a big factor in all of this. But the, 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 the thing to me that I, I find the most fascinating is this worldwide reaction to it, like, oh, this, this is so shocking. And like you're saying, there's nothing shocking in this. It's just an example. It's just proof of what we've always known. But I know people are chomping the bit to see if Donald Trump's name's in there. I would actually be more surprised. Honestly, I'll tell you this. I don't think Trump's name is in there. I don't think Trump is smart enough a businessman to do all of this. Right. You know whose name I'm willing to bet will eventually be found in there? And it Who? hurts. Hillary. Probably. You know, or at least in something similar. Because think about it. When they went to the White House uh, in 92, they were not a wealthy family. They're a wealthy family now. Right, but then there's that other side of the conspiracy theory that, ooh, is a Rothschild's name going to be popping up all of a sudden? Those, those people are so untouchable <laughs> that it, it, their names aren't on anything even slightly controversial anymore. You know, but you know those guys that you and I know are like also chomping the bin like, ooh, is the Rothschild's going to be his names on there? It's like, yeah. mm, not anytime soon. Yeah, that, and that's my thing. Not anytime soon. Plus, that's the other thing that's about this is people are like, oh, well, what's in the documents? It's like there's 11.5 million of them. It's going to take a while till we know everything that's in there. Right. So, I don't know. I just the, the, the biggest thing I think to come out of this is just that there's an example now of how it's done. And if it does lead to tax reform in the United States, great. But I don't think that it will because I think that this – I honestly, AJ, have come to the conclusion that – these big news stories that break are entertainment. They're not news. They're entertainment now. Because I'm trying to think. I think it was Boston Legal. James Spader did a great scene oh God. where he talked about how I thought that the when the Abu Ghraib torture videos came out or pictures came out that the American people would rise up. They didn't. I thought that when we had found out that the government was doing mass surveillance on its own people, that we would surely take to the streets and stand against a government overreaching its authority. We didn't. Or that when we found out that we had been lied to about a war that has lasted over 10 years, that we would come to the streets and demand that it end. And apparently the answer to all of this is, we're fine with it. And we don't care. Because as big as this news story was yesterday, today's big news story is Wisconsin. Tomorrow's big news story will be the fallout from Wisconsin. Meanwhile, in Greece, they're shipping refugees back to Turkey. And if you don't think that that's a bigger threat to national security than a wall on the Mexican border, you're a fucking idiot. Because what you have now done is taken people who came looking for help and said, Nah, and you're sending them back. And if you don't think that that causes somebody to become radicalized and come back and want to hurt you more, 
than building an imaginary fence that won't stop shit because people have this amazing invention. I think John Oliver called it the second invention of mankind, which is called a rope. Mm-hmm. Like, am I wrong about that? But isn't sending those refugees back a bigger dis- thing national security than, than anything that's going on currently in the American political system? Wouldn't you agree? Well, what bothers me is that we don't talk about other international issues like the Turks and the Greeks or the Armenians or, or anything like that where things are happening on a daily basis. You know? Um, those are much more volume issues that needs to be talked about than a wall. I mean, the wall is not going to do anything. I mean, if you're going to take a playbook from Israel, then you're talking more about settlement than actually building a wall is what you're talking about, which I'm more of the opinion that when Trump talks about a wall, he's talking about a settlement in Mexico. Quite honestly. Um, It'll be a nice settlement. We'll have nice pools. Everything will be covered in gold and velvet. Right. My name will be on it. The the pool will be in the shape of a giant T. I'm not compensating for anything. Remember Rom put the ordinance in to, you know, the signage has to be a certain size now? Yeah. That wasn't done retroactively? What do you mean? Well, they, Rom did that because of Trump's big-ass name on his tower. Right. So I thought when he did that, I thought that was supposed to be done retroactively, so Trump's name is actually shortened. Can you think of a president in history who has their name on so much ugly, on so many ugly buildings? Like... Um, ooh, this is, this is a good quiz. I guess, um, I, guess, I guess, okay, let's rephrase. Not even now. But before they became president, like, because it'd be really weird to have the president's name on the side of a building on Wacker Drive. I guess internment camps under Roosevelt. Ooh. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Listen, we joke about internment camps, which we honestly shouldn't because it's like America's great shame. But, uh,. The future future glorious leader wants to reopen them. He thinks that they were perfectly valid when they happened. He's the only person in America who thinks that, aside from the insanely racist people. But, yeah, he thought that they were a good idea, that that Roosevelt was perfectly justified. He's the only person who took an American history class whose history teacher went, yeah, no, internment, good idea. Well, you and I both know that if and when, it's more when than if, that... If Donald Trump is president, then the win is internment camps. Yeah. And you and I both know. That will be there? That not only they'll be there, but people are not going to say it's going to be fine. They're going to be fine about it. And then that's when it's going to be like, okay, so we didn't learn from Auschwitz. We didn't learn from the internment camps. Then I think that's a perfectly valid argument to punch someone in the face. No, I think if you... If, if we you know what I'm are, saying? I, I mean, think in our lifetime... If it's camp, no, let me, let, me camp let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something. Let, no, let me tell you something right now. And this is no... I'm not even trying to be funny right here. 
But I have. I've run through my head a couple times, and I've had this conversation with really good friends of mine a couple times, where I've been like, all right, let's run through the hypothetical Trump presidency and him getting everything that he said that he wanted, which isn't going to happen. It doesn't happen to any president. But let's assume for a minute that he is able to enact all of his policies. Number one, the deregulation of corporations and the defunding of the EPA, because he's a contractor at the end of the day, and contractors hate the EPA because... Well, they force them to have to live within regulations. And yes, if you are a small business owner in a populated area, is the EPA, generally speaking, a giant pain in your ass? Yes, I work in a tax firm. I've worked at a at two tax firms. And I understand how if you run a small auto shop that like the rules that they have for you for disposal of certain shit is a pain in the ass but you know why it's a pain in the ass because it's important it's important that you not dump antifreeze into a sewer which is what people did for why not why it's good yeah it's fine it's what they used to make wine faster at least <laughs> according to the simpsons right but the epa is also what protects you from getting flint michigan I, and it's it's now one, those people just got good iron in their bodies now. Yeah, no, you know what? The truth is, if they didn't want that, they shouldn't live there. They should move. Yeah, that, duh. Yeah, that's the argument. Detroit, Detroit wasn't far. They have clean water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could totally just go move into Detroit. There's enough empty buildings there, you know, because capitalism works. AJ, capitalism, it does. capitalism it, works. So you can you can look at the city of Detroit and just go, yep, there it is, right there. Did you see Absolutely. that great, was it you who placed that great meme that goes, oh, this, look at this country that's been ravaged to death. It must be socialist. Yeah. Did you see that one? Yep. Is that you? Yep. Yeah, this one must be socialist. It must, this, it must be, what is it, it must be Sweden because it's clearly a socialist country. Oh, wait, no, it's Detroit. This is a socialist Sweden and it's like this idyllic city that looks so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, we, we going back to those Panama Paper Leaks. It's just there's so much that's going on in the world that we all kind of know and tacitly accept. I mean, look, we are. How long is it to Memorial Day from now? Memorial Day is what the first Sunday in May. Ooh, is it that, is, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. Okay, so that's it's not far from May Day. Okay, and the only reason that I'm asking is I we're coming up on Memorial Day. So what is AJ, you lived in Illinois most of your life. What does Memorial Day mean to the city of Chicago more than anything else? Uh it's starting starting a music fest. No, that's not it. That's not what I'm talking about. Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about what happens on the South Side every year on Memorial Day for the entire weekend. I'm talking about the news stories that we know are gonna come out every Memorial Day. Oh like the shootings and everything? Yeah, there'll be what, forty usually? Something like yeah. that. Forty shootings, probably ten deaths. Over a three-day weekend in the city of Chicago. And what we've learned in the last 10 years is we're okay with it. And the only reason I say that I know that we're okay with it is no one's really doing anything to stop it. And no one seems to give a shit. And we know it's coming. It's in a month. And it's going to happen. And nobody cares. And I, and, and I hate when people go, well, I, I care. I go, no, you don't. If you cared, you'd be doing more to stop it. And, and, and when somebody goes, what about you? I go, apparently I don't care either. Because the truth is, none of us, the, in a movie, in a, in a movie, AJ, and this is how I do live my life, is I like to think of what the world would be like if it were more like a movie sometimes. In a movie, what would happen is, is the entire population of the city would march into Englewood and stand arm in arm and to stop the violence, right? But the world doesn't do that. It doesn't work like that. And you and I have argued about... 
people going to protest because they have jobs and that is the number one thing the truth is and this is the the realization that i've come to in the last few years the system that we have is designed to keep you so busy trying to stay ahead of your debt or to chase down the joneses or to protect your own little empire that you don't have time to fight for the stuff that you believe in because if you fought for everything that you believed in it's a full-time job and And? that's the problem that's why this panama story means nothing that's why all of this bullshit that we suffer through with every major news story means nothing because until we all kind of collectively and it's not just people like you aj and the pressure falls on people like you because you go out and you protest you go out and you do stuff and you try to get the message out there guys like we know like mike callis who goes out and if you guys don't know who he is look up multiculti look up chicago chicago community uh calendars the, the guy who he and i have both worked with goes out every single day for the most part and works with groups to get their messages across and try to help them and he makes no money doing it and he does it because he believes that it's right AJ goes out and does this stuff because he believes that he's right. You go to those community, those, those community organizing meetings to try to get people to understand what you're talking about. And what we've learned, and you know better than most, is that most people can't be bothered because they're too fucking busy. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... When I see these news stories come across, they actually hurt me more than they help. I don't, again, politicians corrupt, water wet. Who gives a shit? Until something changes, this is what we're dealing with, which is why I'm a Sanders guy. I want a guy to go in who's completely different, who's not trying to break the mold, who even unlike Obama was like, I'm going in there to try to just have... What I learned from the Obama presidency is that a reasonable man can't get anything done in in Washington. That's what I learned. Because the most reasoned middle-of-the-road kind of man. And when I say middle-of-the-road, I don't mean in his personal beliefs, but I mean in his ability to want, to legitimately want to work with the other side. When he was first in office, he had a Democratic majority in the House, the Senate, and the White House. Could have passed any law he wanted, and he was such a decent person i guess is the best way to put it that he legitimately wanted to hear from the other side and what happened when he did that is they shut him out and they called him weak and his reasoned perfectly normal approach to this blew up in his face so maybe we do need somebody insane from the left to go in there and go no i want to make everything socialist all the time which most people don't want but at least it forces that discussion because right now Nobody seems to care, AJ, anymore. That's where I'm at. No, and they don't. Um, and <clears throat> I got into a uh, local Facebook fight myself. They're over so fun. A, what? They're so fun. I actually find them very entertaining. Well, but this one was like a local story, and it has to do with um, a program that... I'm involved with the town next over, but it's being implemented in my county right now. Okay. And there was people on there who were really ragging on the idea that local law enforcement is actually using taxpayer dollar money to not arrest drug users, particularly heroin, but put them in treatment. And tax dollars are going to... To more treatment 
they go into prisons. And the responses I saw was, I just can't, there's no words. There's no words. There's one woman on there who's like, why should my taxpayer money go to these people? You know, I'm not on drugs. Why should I pay for them? Why, I, I worked hard. Why should my tax money go to that and everything? And I had to respond. It's like, because it's a need. Because this has been an issue in the area for at least 30 years that I know of. And you, this is a problem? Well, yeah, because it's my money and everything. I'm like, okay, Debbie, whose cousin is on heroin. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was, it was, it went that far. Well, doesn't it? Yeah, I had to call him fake, point blank, saying your cousin's on drugs. So what you're saying is you don't want your cousin to seek treatment. Got it? I see how you're doing. Well, doesn't it also like I, I think of the other one that's a great example of the lack? Because I wonder, AJ, like when we talk about this, how much do you think it is that we've, for whatever reason, gotten rid of empathy in the political process? Because I look at my, my favorite thing to fight about with conservatives is any conservative who proposes a voter ID law, instantly I have no desire to hear anything else they have to say. Because anyone who promotes a voter ID law does not understand American history or the real or what it's really like on the ground to be struggling. Because I have my, my roommate, who's one of my best friends, but he and I fought. We haven't talked politics since we had a big argument about voter ID laws because he said, how hard is it to get an ID? And I looked at him and I said, it's very easy for you to get an ID. I said, because you live in an area where there's a DMV within 20 minutes of anywhere that you stand. You live in a place where you have access to jobs and you have access to money that other people don't have access to. I said, but most importantly, the one thing that you have that these people don't is you're a white dude who isn't going to be stopped at the door to have people try to to hurt you. And to, not to hurt you, but to stop you from voting. Republicans don't get black people to vote for them. So they do what they can to minimize their ability to vote. It's that simple. Like, and it's not just black people. It's you know any minority or group that is downtrodden on. They, they want to force this. You go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is experiencing right now, I don't know if you've seen this yet, AJ, massive lines at all of the polling places because they're so they're trying to enforce these insane voter ID laws that disenfranchise people from voting. Oh, it's not just that, but it's mostly on college campuses. Yeah. Be because their student ID is not enough proof. They have to get another form of ID in order to vote at University of Wisconsin-Madison, at University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, all of these campuses, you know? And places like UW-Green Bay is like the, <clears throat> excuse me, the largest polling place in Green Bay. Well, there's that. There's also the fact that, like, if you are a college kid, you have to change your voter registration to be at the campus otherwise you have to go home to your parents house to vote right same way with iowa and here in illinois so the the question then becomes at that point like do those people even get to vote because they've made the process that much more difficult 
Like, it, it, everything about it, especially the ID laws, because it comes down to this. If you are a person who makes less than $25,000 a year, you pay your taxes, you do whatever, that $25 for an ID can mean the difference between your kids eating and not eating that week. But, and people don't want to hear that. They don't want to understand that. But the truth is, that does matter. So when you start forcing people to do this kind of stuff, it puts an undue burden on their ability to vote, which is prohibited by the Constitution. So it's well, an illegal... Absolutely. And, and, and it's just, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop with anything. And the lack of empathy towards other people who aren't you has really changed things. And it is starting to piss me the hell off. But, I mean, but it goes back to how we start off this episode, and that is there are people who personalize too many things that is deemed American. And once we have personalized something, then logic is thrown out the window because how dare you trample on the American flag? How dare you speak ill of of a law enforcement, a police officer, some in the military, how dare you um, speak ill of this public figure who I admire at this point, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Once we start doing that, then all logic and reasoning is out the window mentally. Because it's the same thing for lefties, you know? I mean, if someone hated on various um, lefties, public figures you know i i would be a little bit defensive i mean don't get me wrong i would but also it's like you know i'm still going to listen i'm personally going to listen and everything but i'm just one of millions of people that reside here in the united states you know so until we actually deconstruct this notion of personalizing things is when we're actually going to listen to people. But until that happens, we're still going to say someone's stupid because they think the American flag is not a piece of cloth. It's a symbol of the military, the law enforcement, what America is built on, et cetera, et cetera. And until we stop thinking that, and like, no, it's a piece of cloth, cotton primarily, and you you know you you can use it as a blanket. You can um, use it to help save a dog in need. You can do whatever you want with it until you realize it's just a materialistic thing. Is when we can actually have a further conversation on stuff. I guess if I were to say, because we're coming up on the end of this thing here, if I were to tie a button on this whole thing or tie a bow and. I don't know, any other cliche that means to kind of wrap this whole thing up. I would simply say that take a second every now and then when you're having your argument and reflect on one of the worst movies ever released but one of the best lines ever said uh, in a bad movie. And that belongs to Obi-Wan Kenobi, AJ, in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And it's a great line even though it's from a really bad movie. And that line is this. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. And I believe that. I believe that only people who deal in absolutes, that it's either 100% this or 100% that, are the people who are most dangerous to things moving forward. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you believe in 
the absolutes, the binary, however you want to phrase it, if you believe in that, that everything's black and white, then you're doing yourself more a disservice than actually contributing as a real American. Because the one thing I will say is whenever people come up, and, and, and I do want to end the show, but I do want to say this. I, during this Facebook thing today, I was repeatedly accused of being so liberal that my brain didn't function or sh- shit like that they were saying. And all I kept wanting to say, and, and I tried to say it and nobody was listening, what was this very simple thing, AJ. And, and to me it's, listen... I am more than willing to listen to somebody who disagrees with me. I am more than willing to admit to somebody that I am wrong. If you can prove that I'm wrong, if you have numbers or evidence or facts or even a story that can prove to me that what you are saying is true, I will listen. What I will not listen to and what I will not tolerate is you stating things as fact with no proof to back them up. To simply say that protesters are being paid. Well, you're saying that. Prove it. To simply say that because I believe that stepping on an American flag is protected by the Constitution because the Supreme Court says so, and you say that it's wrong, tell me the di- explain to me why I should have to, why you should have the right to punish those people physically because you think that it's wrong. There are a lot of things that you believe in that I think are wrong. Does that give me the right to show up and to threaten to beat the shit out of you because I disagree with your political philosophy? Because if that's the world that you want to live in, then by all means, vote for Donald Trump. But if you want to live in a world where you can have a dissenting opinion and, I don't know, not have the shit kicked out of you, vote for anybody else, even Ted Cruz. He might send you to jail for having an abortion, but at least you know that going in. Which is why... I always like having my, what I call my Bartlett moments. You know those Bartlett moments when, whether it's the chapter and verse scene or the very, very, towards the end of the scene and the the pilot and everything where all this information is thrown at people and he's the one that comes in. He's like, he goes, he goes, that's bullshit and this is why. (laughs) That's when I like those kind of moments. When oh. someone's like throwing all this information, like Trump said this, Trump said that, it's like, okay, he did, got it. Now, what about this? What about that? What about this? I know this person is paying such and such. So, yeah, there are some paid organizers, but these people are not with them. <laughs> so, who are these people getting paid by? And then they look at you, it's like, uh, I'm like, you can sit down. Well, again, I don't have a problem with you saying stuff like that. Prove it. If you're going to say stuff like that, have the information to prove it. But just saying something doesn't make it fucking so. And that's where I'm at. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen. uh, AJ, anything you want to add before we get out of here? No. Okay. We had a lot of different topics today, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you thought, thought about it. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Uh, you can It's actually Chi-Town Podcast if you want to do the URL, facebook.com slash Chi-Town Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Chicago Podcast One, and you can email us on chicagopodcastnetwork.com. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, email us at chicagopodcastnetwork 
at gmail.com. Uh, other than that, you know, we've got ways to get in touch with AJ's got like a, a whole online empire that he runs. Uh, you can look for AJ Signary on there. And other than that, check out uh, some of our other shows that are available online. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, AJ, say goodbye to the people in a wonderful and loving way. Bye, people. Now say goodbye like Donald Trump would. I don't know if I can do it. Bye, people. Bye, people. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been AJ Signary. I am Nick Sarantos. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Out Front. Tell your friends about us. Subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Podcast Addict. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud website, leave me a message. Let me know what you think. And if you disagree with anything we're saying, as we've said many times, we are open to disagreement. We like to be told that you think differently. It helps us either strengthen our arguments or maybe you'll win us over and you'll get a convert and that is there is no zealot like a convert other than that ladies and gentlemen uh we out it's 106 miles to chicago we got a full tank of gas half a pack of cigarettes it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses hit it You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.